Welcome to Unsuitable on Ray Radio, the award-winning financial services and business advisory podcast that challenges your old school business practices and their traditional business suit culture. Our guests are industry professionals and experts who will challenge you to think beyond the suit and tie while offering you meaningful modern solutions to help enhance your company's growth. I'm your host, Dave Kane. While it certainly feels like we've covered all angles of tax reform on Unsuitable, we're not done yet. Sure, we've hit the Tax Cut and Jobs Act from a federal perspective, but what happens when we look at the implications of the legislation at the state level? Joe Pop, director of Ray's SALT team, is a frequent flyer here on the podcast, is going to dig deeper into the legislation, and we'll discuss the various considerations states are grappling with as a result of tax reform. And while we're on the topic of state and local taxes, Joe is going to talk about a few other nexus concerns business owners will be left to contend with as the year continues to unfold. Welcome back to Unsuitable, Joe. Well, thanks, Dave. It's great to be back. You are a tenured guest. I, I think so. I think I'm at, what, five? Is you might five be five. Now? All right. That, uh, apparently, the uh, speaker fees are going up. That's why we're getting you back in here. That must be it, yes. So, uh, hey, so yeah, no, wait, it's my show. Okay, I'm sorry. the guest. Go ahead, I'll go start ahead. with the uh, with the questions here. <laughs> you know, you just want to jump right into. I'm so state. excited. To you go. are I, so I excited. You, you know, know, you know, Dave. You, you hear of like year of the dragon, year of the the ox, year of the monkey. Well, this is the year of salt, my friend. Year of salt, and and as we go through the presentation today. Man, you're going to see why. Oh, you got it. But let's uh, let's start with a couple definitions. Okay. For uh, those uh, those of the week, we use the term salt, and we're going to use the term salt throughout today. Now, a lot of our listeners like salt on the rim of their cocktail glass. Yeah, right. But yes. uh, wh- what does salt stand for? So salt is state and local tax. And so it, it, it's a kind of a broad field with state income tax, state transactional taxes like sales and use tax, gross receipts tax. It also encompasses things like property tax um, at the individual state level, local income tax like Ohio, or all of our municipal income tax. So kind of a broad field. And you are the director of Ray's Salt Services and Consulting Group. I am. That's right. And it is the fastest growing segment that the firm has at the current time, if I have my numbers correct. Yes, we are. uh, We're out there trying to do good work for clients. Just had a nice call with people today. We're going to get them a nice refund on some cat tax. And uh, the other thing we found, you know, that people tend to to, uh, not really fixate on is that a lot of times with sales and use tax, it's not necessarily something that's going to cost your business something. What these guys were doing is they were potentially overcharging uh, on their bids for some work that really should be tax exempt. And so by going through that with them, we're going to be able to um, help them to be more competitively positioned as compared to other folks that don't have this kind of uh, state and local tax knowledge to back them up. You know, I'm surprised. uh, And and again, to our listeners, uh, Joe and I, uh, our offices are right next to each other. Joe is constantly on the phone and we're constantly sharing ideas and we're constantly hearing stories about businesses of all sizes in all different industries who are having trouble with uh, sales tax, maybe Mm -hmm. over undercharged. Yep. This cat tax or commercial activity tax. I mean, there's there's a lot of misreporting out there. 
It's true. Um, you know, often the the thing on commercial activity tax is people just decide to source all of their receipts to Ohio, as an example, if they're an Ohio-based company. And they don't really have to do that. As we'll talk about a little bit later on today, um, there are lots of other states that are hungry for that revenue. Uh, they don't have to be overpaying to Ohio. The other states will take care of that for them. And so, you know, I don't know if there's a good transition there to what some of the states are doing with regards to the federal tax law. I was just going to ask you that. Well, okay, there you go. So, <laughs> the great uh, Karnak, huh? <laughs> yeah, yes, I, I need the, the hat. So a couple of cool, fun things, right? Year of salt. So this is a really fun time to be part of a salt department um, talking about salt topics. Um, one of the things, as you might have heard from some of your other guests, are these itemized deduction limitations, right at the federal level. And what are states doing to combat this? We have two funny stories about two states. We'll call them New York and California. Just for fun. Just huh? for fun, yes. Uh, and so uh, the first one, New York has decided, hypothetically New York, right, has decided that what they're going to consider doing is abolishing individual income tax for workers in New York. And instead, they're going to make it a payroll tax. Now, think about that. If you have a payroll tax, that's 100% deductible by your employer. If that's money that you don't actually get, you don't have to pay federal income tax on it. And so the idea here is that the employers potentially in New York may be paying someone about the same amount of money, but we're going to mess with some of the numbers on the payroll uh, pay stubs and the W-2s. And at the end of the day in New York, uh, they may completely sidestep this itemized deduction limitation for state tax. You won't have to worry about it. You get a full deduction. Another state, let's say California, is um, setting up a charitable trust. You can make your voluntary donation into the trust and then take an 85% credit on your California tax return. So another kind of cool, interesting um, way of getting around the itemized deduction limitation. So there's a couple fun things that some hypothetical states are thinking of doing. And it's interesting that you used uh, blue states in your hypothetical example. Yes, those are those are high tax states, I believe, right? Blue, high tax. Must be. Yeah. You know, another couple other topics and uh, this will this will um, launch us into the discussion. Uh, you use the term nexus. Let's mm. uh, and, and we've talked about that on previous podcasts, but let's let's just give a brief definition of what nexus is. Sure. So nexus is a concept that is uh, created by lawyers. So of course, we have to give it a fancy term uh, that means something more complicated than what it really is. Really, it means connections. If you have enough connections with a state then you're forced to do something. And there's all different types of nexus. So as an example, and this is the one I, I usually give, um, if you um, bake cupcakes and you put nails in them and then you mail them into Michigan, because that's what you do, is it possible you could be sued in, in Michigan state courts? Well, of course you could, right? Because you're, you're putting um, not safe food into the marketplace in Michigan. But if you delivered those cupcakes with the nails in them um, via common carrier, could Michigan require you to charge sales tax on those, assuming that sales tax would apply? And the answer is no. So you'd have nexus for being sued in the state, but you wouldn't necessarily have nexus for collecting sales tax or maybe paying income tax. So that's kind of the concept of nexus. And there's different types of nexus for different sorts of things. 
That's uh, sounds rather complicated, and it is, and that's what your group has been sorting out for a number of our clients and friends. Mm-hmm. Because yep. uh, Nexus, uh, when you talk Nexus, we're talking about money somewhere along the line. That's true. You know, you've also used the term in some of our internal um, discussions and meetings and in webinars, Brightline. Yes. Uh, what what does that for a listening audience? What is what when you talk about Brightline? You know, I immediately think of snowbirds going to Florida. You know, for the winter, but Brightline goes a lot deeper than that. Yeah, it does. Yeah. So you know, Brightline. There's a, a number of different ways to think about it. Uh, an example I like to give that is kind of salt themed is. You know, no matter who you are or the other things that are going on, if you have five shots of tequila in about five minutes, you're done. That's a bright line, right? You you cross the line and you're done. And so with bright line as as it relates to state taxation, as you said with snowbirds, if you're in a state for a given number of days, it's a bright line. You're a resident or you're a non-resident. It's a line in the sand. It's easy to kind of spot. With Brightline Nexus in the past, what we've had is a physical presence. So in order to be subject to sales tax in a state, you have to be physically there somehow. Uh, You either have to have a person there or inventory sitting in a warehouse or do an installation job there in the state. That's what the Brightline concept has been in the past. But it's changing, potentially. Now, are the Brightline rules Uniform across the states? No, that would be too easy. Uh, so, no. <laughs> you ever ask a question you knew the answer <laughs> yeah, of? You yeah. know, this is kind of what I feel like. <laughs> I should just say yes. They're they're different. Just leave it there. No. There you go. Uh, so, yes, they're very different across different state lines. Some states uh, have enacted what are called Amazon laws. Everyone's ma- uh, familiar with uh, with Amazon, and so let me kind of go through what this what this looks like. There's actually one of the reasons I say this is the year of salt is there's a current U.S. Supreme Court case talking about this very issue. So here's the current kind of kind of structure of this. Right now, if you have an employee that goes into a state, the state can tax you. Right? That's pretty easy. It's a bright line. These Amazon laws tried to get at Amazon.com back in the days when they weren't really trying to play ball or play nice with states on sales tax, for example. And so the idea here was if you have a blogger, uh, let's say her name is Abby, right? And she writes about shoes all the time. She has a shoe blog, let us say, right? People go to this blog in order to find out more about shoes. Well, Abby decides that I'm going to put a link there on my webpage for this particular kind of shoe I've just reviewed, people can click on it, go to Amazon, make a purchase, and then Amazon was going to pay me a bit of a commission, right? States have said, well, you know, Amazon, Abby happens to be sitting in New York or Ohio or Michigan. Abby is a person inside this state who's doing this thing for you, this referral through Amazon or through a website, a, a, a um, marketing piece, that's enough of an in-state connection for us to consider you here present. We will tax you, right? And so there are 28 states that have a version of this Amazon law, where as little as $10,000 of sales for the whole state, for the whole year, plus one triggering point like an Abbey with a website, that is enough for a state to be able to tax you. Sounds like Abby's in trouble. Yeah, she could be. Now, in your example, Abby's not the uh, brightest person. 
in the world. Can she claim ignorance that she didn't know these rules? Well, you know, Abby, uh, interestingly enough, if she is using uh, to to go a little further into this example, if Abby not only reviews shoes, but she also has a few shoes that she sells and she uses the fulfillment by Amazon service, which is a new thing Amazon has. The idea is you ship your product to Amazon. Amazon stores it in its various warehouses. And then when you make a sale, Amazon will fulfill it for you. It'll ship it from your warehouses. So they have your products in a good 13 states. Well, guess what? Those 13 states are now going to Amazon and asking for all of that information on the people who use that service. Uh, now, Abby may have a filing requirement in 13 states based on her use of Amazon. She is in trouble. She is out in of trouble. some money. <laughs> out of some money. But I think, and again, uh, your your team has a solution if that comes to fruition that, you know, there's some, I don't want to call it amnesty. That's maybe not the right term, but there's some voluntary disclosure things that you can do to help Abby, you know, meet her tax obligation, yes. you know, quickly and correctly. Yeah. And some of that, as you said, is, is doing some kind of corrective action, but it could also be talking with Abby about the sorts of business decisions that she's making and what the potential impact of those are. So, you know, the choice to sell through Amazon doesn't require Abby to um, use a fulfillment by Amazon service. She could just sell through Amazon uh, and fulfill the packages, you know, on her own. Yeah. In which case that, that simple choice uh, ends up costing Abby in our particular example here, filing in maybe half or maybe all of those states if they come after her. So some of the things that our group does, uh, in addition to talking through some of the mitigation uh, items with the state, might be uh, tax efficiency, looking through what your business is doing. Do you really need to hire that mobile workforce person in the 17th state or could we perhaps contain it within the 16 some states planning. we already filed? Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Got a deal for you. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I've been waiting to lay this deal on you for, you know, a couple of days. I haven't seen you. You've been too busy on the phone with projects, but I understand you're looking for a stand-up desk and I'm looking for a stand-up desk that, you know, and that's the, the thing to do. And a couple other folks around the office, I've got a deal. I found that we can get a deal on Wayfair for these stand-up desks. I mean, that's a pretty good deal. Yeah. And even further than that, I think uh, they won't charge a sales tax oh, nice. on that. So what do you, let's, let's order these desks from, from Wayfair. You know, Dave, it's funny you mentioned that name, uh, Wayfair. That's a great, by the way, I'll, I'll definitely take you up on that because I love saving sales tax. Wayfair is this Supreme Court case, South Dakota versus Wayfair, Wayfair versus uh, South Dakota. And, this is so exciting for people in the salt world. I mean, I know that you probably haven't met a whole for the for the viewers um, uh, and and listeners uh, to the podcast. You may not have met in person a lot of big uh, state and local tax nerds, but man, when we get together, this, <laughs> this is, is the it. this is the stuff. Nirvana, yeah. Nirvana. Yeah, that's right. Oh. This is this is. Uh, primo stuff like this is this is decades in the making this particular court case so if i if i've given you an adequate uh are we going to talk about it. the wayfair well, case yes, yes we should we should yes we should. what's going on so, with the wayfair case <laughs> all right counselor geez <laughs> all right so uh the wayfair case is a case where south dakota has imposed another version of an amazon law a different um pathway if you like so 
the the rule of the land is you got to be physically present in order to have a state do something to you in terms of having a, a tax um, collection responsibility, let's say. Some states have gone down the path of the Amazon laws. They've kind of bootstrapped into physical presence by you utilizing some other agent in the state. This is a complete departure from that, totally different path. Basically, what South Dakota, Dakota has said is if you make $100,000 worth of sales into our state or 200 transactions into our state in a given year, that is enough. That is enough connection with our state that you then must collect sales tax. Um, from that's your the nexus, the connection. That's the that's the connection. And so the Supreme Court has taken this case up. And so one of two things is going to happen as a result of this case. The first is they're going to double down on the prior rule from years and years ago. When I say years and years ago, I mean before there were iPhones or internets. That's quite a is, while ago. Is there such a time? Yes, there is, I think. The Wayfair case. Yeah, let's get back on the Wayfair case. <laughs> the Wayfair case because you guys are excited about uh, the Wayfair are, case. We <laughs> so we have uh, the Amazon law kind of kind of branch, and then we have the South Dakota bright line hundred thousand dollar or two hundred or so transactions in a year. There's eight states that have now decided to do this. Right, so we have 23 states with Amazon laws, eight states with these bright lines, and so the Wayfair case is either going to double down on the old rule or it's going to validate this new rule. If it doubles down on the old rule, the result of that, according to commentators, is states are going to go to the next level, unleashed in terms of this argument on what gives you physical presence. Where they're going is, if you've heard of cookies before. Not the kind you eat, but the kind that you get when you go to a web page and they put a little cookie on your um, your smart device, on your laptop or the like. That is a physical thing that exists on a device inside of a state, and that is enough to give you physical presence. That's where they're going to go. So they're going to take the Amazon law and they're going to keep going down that path all the way till it becomes ridiculous. Or if the court decides to go down this other path and validate this new $100,000 kind of threshold, what we're going to have is a bunch of states enact this kind of legislation. And for most folks that file or, or that um, have sales, significant sales in a bunch of places, they may be adding five or 10 states that they're filing in, probably not for 2018 tax year, but for 2019 tax year. So the day is is uh, fast approaching where we're going to get some kind of answer from the Supreme Court on this, and we can't be more excited, as you can tell. Sure. Now, as you, you're talking about this and all the different states and all the different rules, especially with sales tax, is there a discussion about a uniform federal sales tax? Where does that stand? Yeah, so there have been several discussions over time. Um, one of the, uh, the the main proposals is to take the streamlined sales tax project, which is about 20 states or so that has some standardization, uh, single source to do registrations and filings and the like, to take that and make it a federal thing, right? You may also take a look at uh, our neighbors across the pond in Europe. They have a, a value-added tax, right? A VAT tax. It's a transactional tax. Interestingly enough, they went from a system where we had gross receipts taxes, like Ohio's CAT, and abandoned them for the next step in their in the evolution, which for them was this value-added tax. And so it's possible that at some point, at some point, we may see the same thing, 
where some of these other tax types, gross receipts and the like, fall into disuse, and maybe something like a national transactional tax might come to be. Sure. In a few minutes we have left, I want to kind of wrap this up where we started, and this is uh, talking about the state response uh, to federal tax reform. Mm. And I think you've kind of scratched uh, on a couple examples where the states are going to try to try to combat some of the changes, but give us your your opinion. What is your opinion on the state's reactions to the federal tax reform? So this is the other reason why this is the year of salt. So we have so many choices to make at the state tax level. Give you a couple quick uh, examples. So one of the deals, deals, if you like, that that happened as part of federal tax reform was, hey, we're going to limit your interest deduction, but we're going to lower your rate. We're going to cap your your interest deduction, but we'll give you 100% expensing on depreciation, right? It's a couple give and takes, things that move the needle on on both sides. Uh, At the federal uh, level, all of that's part of a package. At the state level, they can choose to keep the things that raise their revenue and not keep the things that would lower their revenue. And so here's a good example. So Pennsylvania, the way that the law is written at the federal level, Pennsylvania has a decoupling of depreciation. And so depreciation, what that means is uh, if you buy a a car, you buy a cubicle for a new employee, let's say, the feds will let you expense that the year you buy it. Normally, states will say, well, you know, we we don't want you to do that, but we'll let you do it over the normal period of time you could have done that, five years, let's say. So you get to deduct it over five years. The current Pennsylvania rule is you have to add it all back and you do not get any further deduction. So what that means is if you buy a truck, you buy a cubicle, you buy other things in Pennsylvania today, in 2018, as we sit here right now, you get no depreciation deduction until you sell it, which in a cubicle, that may be 15 years when you decide to replace them. Yeah, great. Thanks a lot, right? So Pennsylvania is uh, right now legislatively trying to go through this process of changing their rule because this is kind of ridiculous, right? Even for Pennsylvania, uh, which... uh, most state and That's local. where Abby lives, by the way. Oh, really? Yes. Okay. Well, it's a great state, except for its tax department. So, our guest today has been Joe Pop. <laughs> Hate to cut you short, but you know we're we, we're on a time frame. You know, we, we buy time on the air, and you know, I I get a budget. I got to stay on. Okay. All you right. know, well, our guest. Well, thank our, you. Our guest today has been Joe Pop, director of Ray's Salt practice and consulting services. And Joe, I, I, I do have uh, one uh, compliment I, I have to share with you. Every time I talk to you or a member of your team, you guys come up with an idea to A, save tax, get a refund, or help me understand the risk on the state level. So uh, to our listeners, uh, Joe's available, email, phone call, uh, good guy to get to know and uh, has a lot of fun doing his passion. Very famous. So thanks again for joining us today on Unsuitable. You're never short of a horror story or two, that's for sure. Listeners, we put an excellent tax reform resource center together on our website. Not only have we included articles and tax guides, you'll also find past podcast episodes and webinar recordings to help you stay on top of tax and business issues and also while helping you minimize your tax burden. Go check it out at raycpa.com tax reform. And of course, you can always email us at podcast at raycpa.com. If you haven't already done so, don't forget to subscribe to Unsuitable on iTunes or check out video from today's episode on Ray's YouTube channel. Thanks for listening. Until next time, I'm Dave Kane, encouraging you to loosen up your tie and think outside the box. 
The views expressed on Unsuitable on Ray Radio are our own and do not necessarily reflect the views of Ray and Associates. The podcast is for informational and educational purposes only and is not intended to replace the professional advice you would receive elsewhere. Consult with a trusted advisor about your unique situation so they can expertly guide you to the best solution for your specific circumstance.